0: Um, Brian is uh, specialises in defending complex and sensitive employment law litigation on behalf of insurers and their insured, insureds as the key element of the senior roles he has held at leading national and global commercial law firms over the past 20 years. So with that, over to you. And thanks for joining us, Brian, today.
1: Oh, thank you. And good morning to everyone. Thank you very much, Sarah. Um, so I, I'm going to be speaking about um, mandatory vaccinations. Uh, in Australia, and some of the legal issues, uh, uh, and um, uh, some of the key topical issues. What uh, I'm, I intend to speak for probably about thirty minutes or so thereabouts, depending on how we go, which will leave time for some questions. Um, so let's let's jump right in. Can I have the next slide, please? So this uh, slide just sets out the vaccination rates. It's a couple of days old now. So the actual rate that I just checked three minutes ago is 83.9% of Australians aged 16 and over are fully vaccinated. Uh, If you look at the right side of that um, uh, slide, you'll see uh, that WA and Queensland are a little bit behind. I'm in Perth, so we're we're amongst the behind lot. Um, But Victoria and New South Wales are are speeding ahead and I note that Victoria looks as though that it will reach 90% by the 23rd of November. So the rates are significantly increasing and part of that is certainly as a result of the vaccine mandates and and just a general drive within Australia to uh, increase vaccination targets. Uh, We're also doing very well um, in the OECD, um, much improved over the last couple of months. Can I have the next slide, please? So this is probably the most important slide in the presentation. So I'm gonna go through this slide in some detail. Um, so there, are, there, and and this covers the entire country. There are three circumstances in which an employer may require an employee to be vaccinated and to pro- pro- provide proof thereof. The first and, and probably the most important one is we're required by law or a public health order, um, but there are public health orders across the country Um, and they've created certainly some controversy. They do vary between states and territories and are updated from time to time. Um, In general, the PHOs require workers to have received both doses of the vaccine by specific dates, provide information and evidence to the employer of of that, uh, and failing which the worker is not permitted on site unless an exemption applies. There are also multiple tiers, uh, usually uh, depending on the nature of the work uh, 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 that's that's carried out and, and, and the relevant risks. I want to say a couple of things about the exemptions because they are um, that, that that's caused a lot of issues in my practice over the last couple of weeks and months. Um, the first is that uh, the orders provide for fairly limited exemptions based on medical grounds, and it's not sufficient just to have your doctor to say, uh, the employee to have their doctor, you know, provide... Uh, a certificate or, or, or an exemption. The exemptions must be obtained from the Australian Immunisation Register using their specific IM 11 form. That's completed by a specialist medical practitioner and sub- submitted to the Australian Immunisation Register for assessment. So it's got to be it's got to be pretty high level uh, uh, um, issues. One issue that I in- encountered for a, an employee client a few days ago was that had an anaphylactic reaction. Um, and, and, and that was, that was found, that was, that was certainly fell within the exemption. I'm going to come to some of the cases in a little while, but I also want to look in terms of PHOs uh, around uh, what the consequences are. Cause there's been some muddle about this. And that is what is that from the dates specified in the PHOs without an exemption, an employee cannot access the workplace um and it's also an offence this is another thing that's that's been somewhat missing it's an offence to fail to comply with the direction without a reasonable excuse punishable punishable by a fine of up to twenty thousand dollars on the employer that's the west australian position we've got public health orders around the country so some of this is a little bit west australian centric so i apologize to people who are outside of western australia then the next part of the pho that's really important is that each employer um or person in charge of the workplace needs to ensure that employees are vaccinated and requirements are generally placed on the employee in terms of complying with that and employers need to keep records this is another aspect of the phos that haven't probably been as well understood employers need to keep records including copies of the evidence of vaccination ensure unvaccinated staff are not permitted to work so you need to have the records generally that's the the, the the um it'll click on the mobile phone um which the the the, the little a little passport document or whatever it's called it's it's that's that's you generally issued under the my gov um website um and it's an offense for a person to fail without reasonable excuse to comply with any of these directions so that they're pretty um uh that that that, that, that they're pretty um um mandatory the world they mandatory but they're, they're quite prescriptive in a number of different elements so that's the phos uh and i'll i'll come to the west australian position on the phos in a minute but in terms of the other three circumstances in which an employer may require vaccination second of all where a contract or policy or agreement um, includes includes provisions requiring vaccination uh, some employers that I advised a couple of months ago looked at this and, and 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 reviewed their contracts and then thirdly is where it is lawful and reasonable to give a direction to be vaccinated and I'm going to come to that that in a little bit more detail in, in a minute so I have the next slide please uh and uh I've got the nice shading here where it sort of phases in again I, I can't cover mandates throughout the country there's just too many but Uh, This is the West Australian mandate. Um, And so there were a bunch done uh, in October. There were also healthcare mandates done uh, in September. As you can see from this slide, we had our FIFO mandate um, 5th of October. Uh, So people who wanted to access uh, employees on mine sites in Western Australia needed to have their first dose by 1st of December and fully vaccinated by 1st of January, 22. So a lot of these mandates are actually clicking in, in terms of the deadlines now or short, you know, very soon. And then we had the the, the, the sort of the statewide and the, the more, the, the broad, broad ranging mandate on the 20th of October. We had the group one and group two um, industries and workforces set out in, in, in that slide. And you can see that the first group is industries determined to have a high transmission risk and the second one was industries and workforce being critical to ongoing delivery uh in this state you know it's being referred to as the orange sheet so the orange sheet identifies key occupations and industries you need you know you need to go through those mandates uh, fairly carefully and as i say we're, we're, we're you know those mandates have really been adopted uh Throughout the country, Victoria, New South Wales, some time ago already. So could I have the next slide, please? Uh, as you know, as people would know, there's been a lot of questions. Oh, are these mandates lawful? Are they, um, you know, are they uh, real? Are they, you know, uh, what's the situation so there was a on 15th of october only a month ago the new south wales supreme court a single judge at this stage in kassam versus hazard um, uh, found that the government had power to mandate vaccinations in accordance with these public health orders uh, and it was not the court's function to determine the merits of the exercise of the power by the minister um, they also said that the that one of the big issues here has been whether what's known as the right to bodily integrity in the sense that, you know, a person has the ultimate choice as to whether they want to be vaccinated or not. Uh, the New South Wales Supreme Court said that that right was not violated by the public health orders in that ultimately it's a decision of the relevant employee whether to have the vaccines, their choice, but there are consequences for not not doing so. And also the courts found that the public health orders don't breach the laws that I've identified in this slide, the Privacy Act, Federal Discrimination Laws, uh, the Australian Immunisation Register Act 2015 and the common law right right to vote. Can I have the next slide, please? So let's talk a little bit about... um, lawful and reasonable directions because that's um, if you remember from a couple of slides ago if there's no pho then the question is is the direction to be vaccinated lawful and reasonable Um, so you only really needed to consider this as as i've said in this slide there's no pho but then the question becomes if there's no pho and that covers a significant proportion of people so close to 45 50 percent depending on states and the particular pho but the question therefore that needs to be considered at common law is whether the direction to vaccinate or the requirement to vaccinate is lawful and reasonable so the question of lawfulness is described is is, um, a question of uh, by reference to legislation contract award or agreement and the question there will will be whether it's unlawful and generally most directions uh, in the current environment I, I would likely to be, be considered lawful the question though is generally the question of reasonable um is is, is one of reasonableness um uh, so in terms of reasonableness as i said in the in in the third dot point you need to look at in in considering that you need to look at specific workplace circumstances so the fact of the pandemic is not enough so the fair work ombudsman have provided a, some guidance as to what sort of matters are likely to be uh, relate to this question of reasonable, isn't it? There is some element of grey here, but um, some of the factors are the nature of the particular workforce, and in particular, the extent to which employees are in public-facing roles, um, and whether social distancing is possible. So certainly, if the person can is working from home, on you know, some people work from home exclusively. That's going to make it. Uh, uh, more difficult to assert that the the direction to vaccinate is reasonable. Um, The extent of community transmission at the time. So that's been an interesting, I suppose, comparison between the Eastern states and here in Western Australia. So in Western Australia, we've had no cases. So the direction, the the question of reasonableness, uh, it's it's certainly been uh, understood that, that it's less reasonable to direct vaccination where there are lower level of cases the terms of any public health order, um, the uh, risks associated with with the work. Um, uh, so, if if there are vulnerable people who you might be in, interacting with, uh, the vaccination direction is, is is more likely to be reasonableness, reasonable. Is it reasonable? Medical reasons, etc. Um, so, certainly, um, I, I think I think it's a fair thing to say that as uh, we've had increased cases and certainly increased vaccination and um, we've tipped over, as it were, to, to a much higher vaccination rate. I think that that reasonable, it's certainly been um, the view that, that reasonableness, um, it, it, it's, it's more reasonable to, to enforce a vaccination direction. Um, can I have the next slide, please? So I want to look in a little bit of detail and perhaps give some context to what I've just said in, in, in a sort of a practical example, and that's the the decision in Kimber versus Sapphire Coast Community Aged Care LTD. We haven't had a lot of cases uh, in the Fair Work Commission and other jurisdictions on the COVID vaccine, but, but we did have... Um, the uh, this applied for, for flu vaccines, and this Kimber decision was a flu vaccine case. Um, although the, the the full bench of the Fair Work Commission made some comments about COVID, which I think are clearly relevant. So, what happened here was that Sapphire dismissed Mr. Kimber, who was a receptionist in one of the aged care facilities. Um, After Ms Kimber refused to receive an influenza vaccination in 2020, there were public health orders issued by the New South Wales government uh, regarding regarding taking flu uh, uh, flu vaccinations in in 2020. Uh, And under that public health order, employees were not permitted to enter aged care facilities unless they'd had an up-to-date vaccination. Um, And any, Uh, Sapphire uh, complied with this order by directing and ensuring that any employees who did not have a flu vax uh, were not permitted to work at its aged care facilities. And a number of employees were were dismissed as a result. Uh, Ms. Kimber, Kimber, um, she claimed that she developed a severe skin inflammation in response to a flu vaccine she'd received in 2016, so a couple of years ago. She produced a doctor's certificate stating that she had a medical uh, contraindication to influenza vaccines. Um, However, Sapphire did not uh, accept this on the basis that severe facial swelling and rash lasting 10 months from a vaccine was not a medical contraindication for the influenza vaccine, and therefore she was not exempt from the government mandate. Um, And before the Fair Work Commission, Sapphire Coast community produced expert medical evidence which concluded that it was improbable that the skin condition was caused by the influenza vaccine. So there was a a, a fair bit of evidence um, uh, uh, of that. And and there was, um, you know, extensive discussion of of this notion of this direction. So we had a split decision. Um, So we had the two of of the full bench we had vice president hatcher and commissioner rawdon and they said that the uh, dismissal was fair and lawful and they made a number of key comments i want to i want to pick up on a couple of them because i think they're quite useful guides on where we're going to head where, where, where the current law is and also probably where we're headed in the future so the full bench said that um this as i said was a flu vaccination case but the full bench made quite a few comments about COVID-19 vaccinations and public health orders in that context. So what they said was that because there was a public health order requiring um, the employees in aged care facilities to have a, vac- to have a flu vaccine, therefore an employee who did not do so was unable to perform the inherent requirements of their position and that employers were justified in terminating the employment in such a circumstance. So the whole the test, therefore, became this notion of the inherent requirements of the role. And, and, and certainly the public, because of the public health order, the public health order mandated um, the flu vax, therefore it became part of the inherent requirements of the role. Now, they also, the, 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 the majority also made some comments about medical conditions. Um, and said that where a medical practitioner fills in a medical contraindication form, there must be a widely recognised medical basis for the practitioner asserting that the patient has a contraindication. Because um, Mrs Kimber had said that uh, she'd, she'd, she'd obtained a letter from a practitioner of Chinese medicine, um, uh, and that the majority held that Mrs Kimber's letter from that, that uh Practitioner of herbal Chinese medicine was also plainly not based on medical science, and the reference to an ancient formula of herbs being used to prevent COVID-19 and to achieve a healthy herd immunity was uh, sufficient evidence of this. So that they they made the comment that they discouraged the proposition that a treating doctor is permitted carte blanche to fill in any medical condition as being a medical contraindication. So as I've said. The, the the circumstance that i i encountered a couple of days ago with a client who'd had a um a um anaphylactic reaction to the vaccine she'd um her throat had constricted mouth had constricted couldn't breathe and she had to have a um she had to have urgent medical treatment that's a st- you know standard contraindication in the vaccine scenario so they found uh the majority found as i've said in this slide that the termination of the employment for failure to the, to take the flu vaccine was not unfair uh, i want to look at the, the, the minority for a moment because the minority made some fairly uh, strident views that have been criticized um uh, by other by other courts in an in a open sort of forum Uh, but the minority deputy president dean said that she had never more strenuously disagreed with an outcome in an unfair dismissal application and that the majority decided that the majority denied ms kimber the protections afforded by the fair work act in part because of an inference that she holds a general anti-vaccination position and she said she said this and this is i think stoked a lot of the debate she said that all Australians should vigorously oppose the introduction of a system of medical apartheid and segregation in Australia it is an abhorrent concept and is morally and ethically wrong and the antithesis of our democratic way of life and everything we value so that sort of language i've got to say is fairly unusual for a uh, a judicial officer but she 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 made that 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 proposition um uh uh, she also found that uh, and i it's um you know again this has stoked some of the debate that these mandatory vaccination directions are a lazy and fundamentally flawed approach to risk management and should be soundly rejected by courts when challenged um Uh, I I, I, I make the proposition that I think Deputy President Dean's dissenting decision appears to be somewhat inconsistent with the position adopted by state and federal and territory governments, and the comments that I made earlier in the New South Wales Court about about this. So, uh, and and the minority Deputy President Dean uh, found that COVID-19 vaccination themselves have only been provisionally approved for use in Australia and that they're still part of a clinical trial. But again, uh, that is the minority view. The majority view found that the termination of the employment for failure to take the flu vaccine was not unfair. And that combined with the comments that I made earlier from the Supreme Court of New South Wales would certainly seem to suggest that that they are lawful and that um, employees are going to have real difficulty in opposing them unless there's some serious medical contraindication Um, we're still at a relatively early stage but that's clearly the issue and and certainly employers have taken the view that that they're that they're 100 bound by them and i think that's that's probably the correct position at this point in time could i have the next slide please Um, so you know that's the decision in Kimber. It does follow a couple of other earlier decisions, uh, but that's the full bench decision. Um, and um, you know, on balance, that's probably where it's headed. So a couple of practical suggestions, and then I'll I'll I'll, I'll take some questions because I, I I I I've seen a lot of questions already that have come up on, you know, even pre the presentation. So obviously. Um, there are significant occupational health and safety risks involved here um and one of the, the the questions that i've been asked is um what about prospective employees um can can uh as part of the interview process uh employers request or require um employees to provide evidence of vaccination uh, that is the the the, the um, the Fair Work Competence uh, guidance Note is probably a little bit less detailed in that area. But I think the, the position in my view is quite clear that if there's a public health order, that means that employees who are unvaccinated cannot come onto site within those deadlines. So that clearly means that um, if there is a public health order, I think there's absolutely no reason why an employer, employer cannot ask and they should ask you know, whether the, whether the prospective employee has been vaccinated um, and any decision not to employ on that basis, you know, the, the risk of a, a general protections claim in that regard, I think would, would, would have very strong grounds to defend that on the basis that um, you're simply acting in accordance with the law in accordance with the Fair Work Act uh, generally. Um, so again, you um, the points I've made in this um, in this slide: the mandate workers return to the office need to be vaccinated, and you know, employees employers, in accordance with occupational health and safety risks, can request vaccination status information from employees. In, in, in just if I can just take one step back and perhaps add, employees who are not within PHOs, um, uh, I, I think that. Um, you know, in terms of reasonable directions, I think I think they can certainly request vaccination status. Again, that's going to be a question of reasonableness, and I've dealt with that in a bit of detail earlier on. Can I have the next slide, please? So the next slide really covers the, covers a, 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 a lot of media traffic, frankly, on 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 questions of discrimination, is it discriminatory to um, uh, 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 employ someone or terminate their employment on the grounds that they haven't been vaccinated? So equal opportunity legislation is in very general terms. Equal opportunity legislation, both at the state and federal level, uh, prohibits unfavourable treatment on account of a protected attribute. Um, This includes indirect discrimination so, um, uh, uh, you know, indirect disc- discrimination is where a criteria is, is uh, applied, and if a person doesn't have that criterion, um, and, you know, whether it, it might be gendered, but in this context, um, uh, vaccine status, uh, that, 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 that's the relevant criteria. So, uh, and a medical condition is a protected ad- attribute under the Fair Work Act, um, medical disability. Um, but the problem that I think employees face in terms of discrimination claims is that the Fair Work Act and other legislation provide for an exception where the employee is unable to fulfil the inherent requirements of the position. And if there is a PHO, then uh, uh, Being vaccinated will be an inherent requirement of the position. Uh, And it it might even be argued that, even um, where there's no PHO, that um, being vaccinated may be an inherent requirement of the position. And in that case, I think there are fairly limited grounds for uh, arguments about discrimination. We're probably yet to see that come out. There haven't been any decisions yet. And certainly, I think. Uh, and and I'm going to come to that in the next slide, but looking at reasonable accommodations um, around working from home, etc. I'm going to come to that perhaps on the next slide. Um, Political or religious belief, I've been asked an enormous amount of questions, frankly, about that, Um, and one of the issues has been people who um, object on the grounds that um, the um, the vaccines in the United States and Britain were prepared or developed as a result of stem cells. And that's become a a big call and cry. I'm not actually sure whether that's actually strictly speaking correct, but uh, certainly the the political and religious beliefs has been a difficult um, criteria to suggest that that would avoid a PHO. And, um, you know, in terms of the PHOs, I think that they're reasonably reasonably bulletproof at this point in time. I, I've, I've put it on, on the last dot point, other claims there, because I think that we're still, we're still to a certain extent, the claims are still emerging. Um, so that's in terms of discrimination, I think there, there are limited options, particularly because of that notion of inability to fulfill the inherent requirements of the position uh, at law. So um, um, can I have the next slide, please? So this is probably one of the the most important slides in the presentation. I I, I think the the question that that, that keeps coming up is what do you do when people are not being, you know, they refuse to be vaccinated? So this is a bit of a a menu, if you like, of of options. And, and look, this has been something that a lot of employers have had to wrestle with. Um, I think the starting point is to really look at, Options that that give that give options in terms of retaining the, the, the person within the workplace, um, alternate work arrangements is really the, the principal one of those, and you know can can the employee perform alternate duties that allow work from home? Um, that that's certainly been a very you know strong option, um, but it's limited, um, uh, and um, it. Um, you know a lot of a lot of roles simply don't allow that some do certainly in an office environment the the predominant one the option has been granting annual long service leave until the employee is able to be vaccinated really a, a pause in the in the process um, and that's been extensively used um, and it's the idea i think is to give the employee the option to sort of give to, to, to really consider um, being vaccinated but we seem to equally have this stand down the third dot point and that that's been going you know there's been quite um long period the periods are likely to be long and if people are, are are um uh refusing to be vaccinated that that certainly creates that issue and i i think again the fundamental problem i think is you know certainly in the last couple of weeks has been that um uh and speaking to employees is is Uh, how to deal with the public health orders Uh, and last of all obviously employees have been terminated for failing to obey a lawful and reasonable direction I've I've referred in that that slide to immediate termination but um, you know employers need to look at options around notice providing uh, payment in lieu of notice and then and and, and, you know there there are risks of that but given the decision in Kimber you know it it is the majority um, Um, but but, but there's still some level of risk there. We've seen a lot of stand-downs and a lot of people taking leave, Um, and certainly in this state in West Australia, because a lot of those vaccine mandates are really um, starting on the 1st of December, um, and some are 31st of December, um, we're we're certainly seeing a lot more stand-downs and leave. So... Look, that's that's a menu. It's a just a, it's it's a difficult time, frankly. I think I think I think most people would agree with that, um, uh, and a lot of employers are taking the view that well, look, it's not us that are saying this. It's 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 these government government mandates, the the PHOs. Um, you know, that's that's where we're headed with, with unvaccinated workers, and that's likely to be an issue for, 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 for months for months going forward. Um, there's been um, a lot of public debate, but I'm going to stay away from that uh, because ultimately this is a legal uh, presentation. Could I have the next slide, please? So, a couple so key actions for employers. Um, a lot of this will not come as a great surprise, um, um, but. I'm going to go through what I think are some of the key actions in this and the next slide, and and um, you know perhaps some suggestions about how how this might be done might be done in, in the best way possible. Um, obviously, the first dot point: there, monitoring public health orders and announcements. That goes without saying, and make sure you comply with them. Obviously, as um is is occupational health and safety risks and I, I, that's clearly a, a significant issue um uh, and and i think it's uh, increasingly an issue in terms of clients customers people going for you know hair haircuts makeup everything um you know ultimately there are signi- you know there are clearly potential uh risks um of uh, breaches of health and safety legislation if clients catch or get COVID, um, and I think increasingly we, we're seeing this two-track uh, economy that um, employ that 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 people can only access certain services or go to rock concerts, footy games, cricket matches, only if they've been vaccinated. You know, ultimately there are serious there are occupational health and safety obligations uh, across the board. Um, securely collecting in you know vaccine information um i, I think the fourth dot point there's really important and i've uh, encouraged clients to look at um, time off for attending vaccination facility for facilitating access to vaccination centers um, we might even see vaccinations within work you know workplaces that are much you know having having um someone come to the to the to the to the workplace. I think the key here ultimately, and I think this has been lost, is we're dealing with human beings here, and I think taking a respectful and um, um, you know respectful and, and and pro-employee approach to to encourage vaccination is the key. We can't force vaccination as you know, but but there are there are obvious consequences there. For, uh, for employees. So the next slide please. Uh, a lot of my clients did poli- prepared policies and I recommended that uh, over the last few months um, which, which really provided I think a useful way on a granular level to try and make sure that uh, deadlines were set, um, uh, you know, this was published and that was um uh, something that was really important i think it's really important also um just to to, to try and you know encourage uh, employees to have to if they to have the vaccine sooner because uh, to, to book their their vaccines because of queues it's become some of an issue though although, although um, a lot of people can get vaccinations without without much of a wait time um at the moment, and then obviously instituting stand downs and, and dismissals as required. Um, I'm, I've left quite a bit of time for questions, but that's in essence the presentation. Um, it's a difficult time, but I think um, I think proactive, uh, being proactive and respectful are some of the some of the keys. But um, I'm going to open up to some questions now. I've, I had a couple of questions earlier in terms of prospective employees, and I've tried to answer that already. So sarah um, go for it
0: right okay um there's a lot is um this is from anonymous Is just seeing the vaccination certificate on a person's phone and recording that enough yes okay
1: yeah the answer to that is i i, I yes I, I think i think that's probably the best option uh a, a lot of i i i think the best way of doing it i i i think the my gov um, record I've got it on my phone I think it's quite um, it's quite simple and the best way of doing it is just sending a screenshot and emailing it to your manager I think that's you know th- that that is that is the that is the best way of
0: doing it um, the next one it's it's uh, fairly long um, it's understood that part of the reasonableness test is to consider local disease transmission. But what about consideration of the future forecast? We're being told that cases will increase as states reopen, but we need to act in advance of that in order to be ready. So in certain circumstances, we're making judgments where there is no community transmission occurring. Can you advise?
1: Yes, yeah, good question. I, I think that's right. And I think that um, the factor of low community transmission is clearly a factor, but I think it relatively speaking, it is a, low, a lower level factor because of the point that you that you made. So certainly in West Australia, because we have n- no cases, but we, we're likely to get cases at some stage, probably in the new year, um, you, you, you're, you're right. I mean, the reality is we can't avoid it. So I think it's a, probably a lower level factor. I think the, the factors that are really key are if there's a medical contraindication uh, vulnerable employees these are these are some of the other factors i, I the, it's always going to be a balancing test the question of reasonableness uh, and i think employee employers have taken the view that that on the side of caution now whereas that wasn't the case eight or nine months ago um but yes you're right i mean the fact that 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 we're likely to have cases it's probably a, it, 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 you know the, that that that's clearly uh, um a relevant criterion. Next question.
0: Would uh, anonymous would like a bit more explanation around how a vaccine could be considered an inherent requirement of the role?
1: Uh, well, I think that that when the when the PHO says so, that, that it legally becomes an inherent requirement of the role. I think that that's what the the the, the fair the the full bench in Kimber said. They said that. Uh, that the, the moment you have a PHO, you have a legal requirement to to vaccinate. Therefore, it, it, it's as if that, that, that is an inherent requirement of that particular role within that location. So if you, if there's a, um, uh, for example, there was a PHO, to, to, to use the most stark example, uh, the first Western Australian um mandate was in the health industry. And and the first example, the first tier of that was people working in ICUs. Um, By having a public health order requiring people working in ICUs to have the vaccination, that it became an inherent requirement that if you work in ICUs, it's an inherent requirement that you are vaccinated. Simple as that.
0: Um, Sorry. Lorraine asks, in WA, is there any further clarity on manufacturing companies fitting in Group 2 or the lockdown category?
1: Oh, it's hard for me to answer the specific questions uh, on the green sheet, but I'll try. Just um, uh, Manufacturing, um, look, you have to, you know, you, you have to look quite carefully at the orange sheet. And you, perhaps if you want me to, Give you some specific advice i'm more than happy to um uh well you need to look at 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 the different criteria in here about critical infrastructure commercial transport it might not be covered it might not be covered um but um you know that that it needs a a very careful look but but perhaps that's a question that that you can email me. or We can have a discussion separately about it. There isn't a specific manufacturing um, uh, dot point in the the, the orange document, um, but you know certainly I can provide some 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 specific advice about that. Uh, we've got a lot more, do we? Um, uh, go yeah. for it, Sarah.
0: In Queensland, um, this is from Anonymous, I thought a public health order had to be issued to an individual by a court. How does a blanket PHO apply when the majority of the population are not showing signs?
1: Uh, I'm not sure I quite understand that question. I mean, the, the, the PHO is a direction to people within specific occupations to be vaccinated. Um, that that instrument becomes the base upon which the mandate applies. And I, um, perhaps just repeat the question.
0: As in Queensland, he thought a, a public health order had to be issued to an individual by a court. How does a blanket PHO apply when the majority of the population are not showing signs? Um, I think we can move on if. We... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So. Um, this one also, uh, Chris. Asks, Some businesses are designated by a federal government as critical infrastructure. Is this a reasonable argument to mandate on their sites? It,
1: I, I think you need I, the, 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 you need to read the relevant mandates, the relevant public health orders. I think um, you need to you know the, the 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 in order to make the assessment as to whether the PHO applies, you need to read what it says. So um uh, if it's a critical ind- if if, if, um, if there are high transmission uh, uh, or vulnerable um risk scenario you, you just need to read the mandate do you and, and the question is does the uh, occupation or industry fall within the mandate that's that that's the question it's no it's no more complicated than that um um i I, I think yeah I think it's just a question each time of just reading reading the mandate. Uh, Next question, um, Sarah.
0: Tracy asks, within the Fair Work Ombudsman's position, the four tiers give some guidance around reasonableness. Slow
1: down a little bit, it's (laughs) hard
0: to hear. Say that again. Within the Fair Work Ombudsman's position, the four tiers give some guidance around reasonableness. My question relates to tier three, should the reasonable test around being reasonable to return to office if low community infection is sufficient to be above the mandate?
1: again that's a very detailed question let me have a look at the um let me have a look at the the, the,
0: the they did add particularly if the role has no customer contact and can work alone in an office
1: that's i i can't answer question that specificity i i i I just can't i i i need to review the um i'd need to review the um the, the different tiers and the mandates but Look, perhaps we'll just, that that might be a good segue into the next slide. Um, All right,
0: well, I'll go on to the next question. Do you want me to move to the next slide?
1: Well, I was just going to say the next slide is just the the, the plug, Sarah.
0: Um, We'll put that. um, Let me go to the. All right. Um, Yeah, we'll leave that up. uh, uh,
1: This is just a very quick plug. I've been advising on the mandate for a couple of months so i I, i've um put in place a fixed term arrangement for for clients uh, for for basic advice fifteen hundred dollars which three to four hours of of per per matter reviewing uh the the relevant vaccination mandate compliance issues reviewing contracts policy documents strategic advice so some of you know it's a little bit hard sometimes to, to to advise on very detailed matters but that's sort of a fixed price arrangement that I've put in place for a number of my clients. And my contact details are on the on the presentation um, and happy to speak to anyone uh, around the country uh, on specific specific um, uh, and, and granular questions. But I can take a couple more, Sarah. Um,
0: okay, so um, Anonymous asks, how is the mandate enforceable and what happens when the state of emergency powers end?
1: Well, look, look the, the 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 phos won't necessarily last in a sense forever but they are enforceable under uh, uh, under uh, under law it's something that people have forgotten about they may pursue into state legislation so in this uh in this state in west australia they may pursue to the public health act um uh but 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 no doubt they won't last forever, and they will be reviewed at some point in time. Certainly, but, but certainly over the next few months that they are in place, uh, the New South Wales Court has said they're enforceable. Um, uh, that they are made pursuant to law. Um, so uh, at this stage, they that, that that they are in play. They um, and that there's some prospects of them being reviewed in, at a later point in time. Um, In the next few months potentially you know that's to a certain extent up in the air um maybe one more um sarah one Uh, or
0: two more uh asked does emailing the certificate breach health privacy laws many medical practices will not use email for this reason
1: um i don't think it does i think i think i i I the um the privacy commissioner put out a uh A document vaccination and my privacy rights as an individual um, regarding disclosing my um, vaccination status um, that states that your employer may be (coughs) able to require you to disclose information about your vaccination status uh, without consent if the collection of this information is required or authorized by an Australian law this includes any act of the commonwealth or the state or territory or regulations or any other instrument made under an act, including public health orders or directions. Look, I don't, I, I, I mean, I, you know, you could certainly just cite the document, uh, cite the certificate. I, I, I can't see any particular re- legal reason why an employer can't, can't obtain a copy of the record. I don't see anything in the uh, in the uh, privacy um, document that was put out by the Privacy Commissioner about that so um, um, I think the key is just to, 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 to know to, to uh, uh, have a record that the person's been
0: vaccinated um, maybe one more Sarah um, there is a lot of information online pertaining to fraudulent vaccination certificates. So what is the employer's responsibility here and what should they do if they suspect a fraudulent certificate has been provided?
1: Um, I think that uh, uh, I think the starting point is making sure that you check um, uh, uh, as I said before checking and, and obtaining a copy. I think that um if you're in doubt, I think that and there have been a couple of them I think if you're in doubt I think um, you need to report it um I think you need to report it uh, to the relevant health department I, 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 I there's we've seen a couple of prosecutions in um, in this state and I think fundamentally both in terms of you don't you know you want you you know, we don't want this sort of thing to continue. So I I think if you're in doubt, I think um, there'd be an obligation to report it.
0: Um, Sarah? Okay, well, I think we will, yeah, there's a lot of questions. I'm going to send you all these questions after. (laughs) (laughs) I just think, you know, maybe it it might form part of an article that addresses some of the, the questions that people are raising. Um, because there are just so many. Um, I am going to drop a link in the chat also because um, we are a health and safety platform for reporting and we obviously have a vaccine register that simplifies that process. So there's um, a form on there if you want to get a quote for that from Myosh. Um, And is there anything else, Brian, you want to add? Oh, look...
1: um... You know there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of information out there there's frankly there's a huge amount of information out there uh, about this topic it's it's dominating the airwaves I think the starting point is um uh you know you, you should start with with what is in the the material that's being provided by the fairway Ombudsman, the privacy commissioner um and then get legal advice I think I think that um it, it, it's such a difficult situation, and it's such a, a hot topic in terms of, um, you know, employees continuing and the risks of claims. I, I think that um, obtaining obtaining advice is really is really important, um, and and again, there are there are significant fines um, for, for 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 breaching the PHOs. So, um, you know. Check out the the the, the um, uh, check out the relevant uh, stuff on the web on, on on the government web pages, not other web pages, uh, and 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 obtain advice, um, and um, you know you know I think the other point is think about people's dignity and and respect etc. In, in that in that in that context. But look, thank you thank you for that. Um, uh, um, more than happy to 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 do some more questions um, over the um, over the chat, nor in writing. So thanks very much, Sarah, and thanks for myosh for hosting me.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining us today, Brian. I will also download the chat because we didn't get to that. There's a lot of um, comments in there. I might actually put them on the web page later as well. So um, thanks everyone for joining us. Thank you once again, Brian, and. Um, I will share this recording later today. Thank you.